Hello, and welcome back to Runeterra Randomness, the extensively encyclopedic, firmly formatted, purposeful podcast with awful alliteration. I'm your host, Nikita, and with me is my co-host, Flash. How's it going, Flash? It's going well. Hello, Nikita. Hello, hello. Uh, so for those joining us for the first time in this show, we cover all random things related to Legends of Runeterra and maybe any other card games that we happen to be playing at the time. Uh, I've been following the game for quite some time, and Flash, has it been now like a month since you started playing? I suppose so. We've been doing this for a month, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty crazy, actually. It does it has not felt like that. It went by fast. It, it did go by really, really fast. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I guess just to just to start off, I guess let's let's get into the the meta corner. We'll do a little bit of a meta update. Uh, last week we spent the entire episode doing the meta update, and thankfully this week there actually wasn't any changes uh, for the first week of. March in 2020. Uh, currently, it is still uh, the two at the highest tier is Kinko Elusives and Fearsome Rally. And the next top three at A tier is Ephemeral Midrange, Lux Control, and Ezreal Control. So, I mean, nothing's really changed balance-wise, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, we did have a patch recently, which uh, all the patch was was animation speeds ups and uh, some bug fixes and I think a new uh, a new little uh, a- avatar guy for the corner uh, which is uh, the minion <laughs> um and yeah so yeah there hasn't been much changed it's still the same stuff it's still the two most powerful keywords in the games elusives and rallies and i mean i don't know personally i mean i've been playing shadow isles since the game came out because it's just the cheapest deck and now now it's a tier one deck and it always kind of was a sort of tier one deck so i've been playing it i've been enjoying it but lately i've just been just trying other stuff because it's just i mean damn it it just gets boring over time just playing it, it aggro does it does and i think there's i think even when even when you're just like a ladder warrior and you're like trying to get that master's rank right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think there's a certain point where you go um like if there's no pro circuit or or like tournament coming up then just playing the meta decks gets boring i wonder if ever if there's ever been a situation where the meta has shifted purely out of just people's boredom of 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 the meta, just just because they <laughs> want to switch something else, like if there is a game where like a, a deck is like so oppressive and it's the undisputed tier one deck, and just everybody is sort of in agreement to like everybody sort of agrees to just not play that and then switch to something. I bet that's happened before. I I I'm I'm sure it's happened in Hearthstone. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, yeah that, that would be that would be the game too uh so how, how has it been for you how's um, a month in now uh do you what 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 how does it feel how does it feel it feels really good um a friend of mine has been telling me to try out the expeditions okay um although i haven't looked at it yet because honestly i'm having fun just brewing random decks and and seeing if if they if my theory like the theory that i kind of put forth if it actually maps out into practice right Okay, I'm I'm exactly the same boat. Yeah, I've just been ha- having too much fun with constructed, and I mean, I know expeditions the way they've set them up is actually pretty good, but it's just like a it's like a whole other world there. I almost feel like expeditions will be like a thing where I get like when I get to a point of like I understand all the cards, I understand what's going on, but I, as with every new set in any new game, mm-hmm. the fact I I almost like the fact that the competitive scene in some ways is not very like overly established. Um, that's true because because it 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 doesn't push me toward um toward being like oh because because i mean i i know myself if there was tournaments like i'd be then i would start the grind you know what i mean if there's the regular tournaments especially if there there's some money on the line so uh with with the game being as it is right now I'm, i'm just like no like let me literally experiment with this random deck and then just going through iterations of one deck is enough for like a you know a couple weeks <laughs> so yeah. and the amount of possibilities right now at least at least from what i've seen especially when i'm not looking at the current meta decks makes it seem like i don't know it just makes it seem very enjoyable so <laughs> cool that's awesome i mean i think there are some i think there's like a, a handful of tournaments but they're all sort of community run things uh normally the way riot does their esports is they sort of uh they take it upon themselves to do do it all themselves so have their own leagues have their own systems not really uh, i guess sort of the opposite of how Valve does theirs, which is sort of very hands-off, let the community do their own thing, and then Valve will support them through the community. 
Uh, so I think I think Riot's just waiting, perhaps, for Legends of Ruterra to release, and then after that, they'll probably start maybe some sort of circuit or something like that. Yeah, which, which would be pretty cool. I, I think the focus right now is much more on the game itself, which is I think fine, honestly. Uh, it is a it's, beta, it's no rush, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, this this is the time to do it. Uh, so I guess so I guess one month. Have you so what 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 has been the deck? What what has been? Do you have any sort of like pet deck that you've been piloting or like developing or? Like you say, iterating on. Uh, yeah. So th- there's a deck current. Well, this this is just more recently. Because um, yeah. before I, I, I think I, I think I've slightly changed my tune because before I was just doing I would make a deck to correspond to the quest that I had to complete, um, in order to get more cards, right? And then totally fair. Yeah, understand stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then I'd delete it and literally make new ones, which was fun too because it's kind of like you just kind of make like this like homebrew and you. You can still kind of go 50-50 with it, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, even if you're losing a couple more, you're like, you're, you'd are you ritter- it, it'd be like a, almost like a daily thing I'd do. It's like a, you, you play a couple games, change a couple cards, play a couple games. Um, but I think for the first time, I'm kind of getting like a deck that's a little more, um, I I want to make it work, so I'm putting more time into it and like, okay. developing it. Um, although, I like I said, it, it's... Um, I, especially with the ways our shows kind of have been structured this week, mostly because uh, we're recording a little earlier in the week and we recorded a little later last week, right? Yeah, I haven't actually had the time to uh, you know play test it much, like only only uh, not 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 as much games as I'd like. But um, essentially, I think when the podcast ended last week, I said something about Poros. Yes, and so uh, this put me on a let's make a Poro deck and. I'd like to maintain that my Poro deck is two and zero. Okay, all right, that's a hundred percent win rate. That's pretty good. Uh, would you say <laughs> it sent sent you down a Poro hole? Uh, yes, yes, I would say so. Excellent. Um, but but uh, the the biggest thing was that I played it right after our podcast, uh, like after we recorded. Yeah, and so I go on, and. Uh, the first game I play is against someone else who's trying to make a Poro deck as well. Wow. <laughs> Truly. So clearly uh, Midnight East, East Midnight kind of thing, you know, the Poro decks. That's when they come out. <laughs> after midnight. The Poros come out after midnight. <laughs> yeah, they do, apparently. Um, and uh, so, but the bigger thing is that I noticed this person that I was playing with was using a, I wonder if, if I linked you the card. It's like a- Averson. Averosin, um, uh, there, there's five, there's five Averosin cards. What, do you remember the, the effect? That, buffs, that has the allegiance effect. Yes, that, uh, uh, Averosin Outriders. Uh, it is a so Freljord card. Can you card. just explain that? Yeah, uh, Averosin Outriders. It is a Freljord uh, three three follower that has allegiance. Grant the top unit in our deck plus three plus three and overwhelm. Overwhelm being the keyword that uh, sends excess damage over if it kills a unit. Uh, and- so I this card is really strong if you can get your deck to be like mostly just Freylord. Yeah, yeah. Fre- Freylord. And so Freylord. And so a lot of the stuff I was doing with Poros was was still Freylord uh, based. I used um So so there was that card and then I kind of tied it in a little bit with the Elna the two Elnuk cards, all mm-hmm. right? Um, and slowly I started developing um, my mind started turning. So the two Elnaut cards, one's a four or five, just great stat for four mana cost money. The other one's a three, three that look through the top 10 cards and summon any Elnucks that you have. Yeah. And I will say if you could get one or two Elnucks to pop out of nowhere, it is a really strong turn five play. Um, yeah. because all of a sudden you're like, you, I think another thing that I've noticed is that usually you'll, you, you'll summon like one minion before you attack or, or you won't summon anything. You'll attack first and then summon the minions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ends up happening is every time you put down the card, you have like what, I guess like a one in it's most of the times it's about a one in three chance to get, to get essentially a really big push on your board. Right. Yeah maybe maybe slightly better percentages actually because there's multiple Elnux in your deck right um so that card to me there, there's just like you know uh 
so I, speaking of the Poro deck, because I had this with the Poro deck, the second game I played, I literally just had two four fives appear mm-hmm. <laughs> with my three three on turn five, and I just kind of won. So I mean, it's um, it's great after a board wipe. It's good to like play on curve. Like it is, it is actually a very strong deck. I think. Uh, I think like two weeks ago, I just remember seeing it as a part of every control deck out there. They had the the Elnuk package. It's weird that it's part of the control deck. And maybe because I'm still thinking of it as a mid-range because I think it tends to work for me as a mid-range. Like, if it, if an aggro deck doesn't kill me, I just kind of win. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of how it feels like right now. That's fair. Um, and so the bigger thing was with this deck um, is that I noticed I was like, okay, like, how can I get more Elnux into my deck? And so uh, cue this new card. Um, I wonder if you know which one it is, which one I'm talking about here. Parade Electro Rig. Yes, Parade Electro Rig. So I think I believe it's a two four, and it's a, it's a has a support effect, and then shuffle four copies of, um, a shuffle four copies of a of the supported ally into your deck. A supported ally into your deck, right? So yeah. like, you do this a couple times with some Elnux, you know what I mean, and then uh, you get. <laughs> I have never, I have never seen that before. I'll tell you that right now. I, I saw that you had this card queued up, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't even really read it. I don't think I've actually seen it. Uh, yeah, that's well, this, crazy. This is, this is why when I said that, like, I feel like people haven't been creative, because ultimately, like, this might be really slow and like not work, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But like people are not playing around with cards like this, you know. Like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's because of the the place I where I am in the rank is everybody's just playing mm-hmm. the tier one thing without much uh, much of a thought, I guess. But yeah, yeah, to be fair, I'm sure there's like some streamers that are also like being creative. With, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. for the fun of it. So it's not. But 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 th- my point is like I think there's a lot more uh, iteration to happen, and like this is an, just an idea literally popped in my head, and I'm like. I'm within one class right now, like pretty much, right? And there's six different classes, and I'm not combining many of the classes together. And it's and this this kind of works, you know. So it's uh, have you have you gotten it, it off? Have you has it have you triggered it? Uh, I have triggered it, and because honestly, if you have it in opening hand, it is quite powerful. Because then you you just increase every one of your Elnock tree, like the troop one, the herd one. The three three the mm-hmm. five minute three three yeah um it just increases the chances of that working better and it's so I think I think the biggest thing is that with this style of deck you can kind of delay um you can kind of delay and delay and then and then just like bust this out of nowhere okay here's another thing that I noticed is actually with the Poro version of this deck because I I, I have then begun tweaking it slightly. But with the poorer version of the deck, because everything was so low cost, and I ran two jinxes, oh, okay. you were able to get jinxed off quite quite easily. So I'd run two jinxes. I'd run the one Trendomir because I had them, and, and I ran two Brahms, right? Interesting. Um, to get the uh, the the like hopefully the Brahm effect. But the point was what ended up happening because everything's so low cost. Like Jinx would just get the rocket a lot of times, and that could kind of swing the game for me. Um because you're just throwing stuff and then jinx can help you cycle through the deck actually now that i'm thinking about it my poor version of the deck might be slightly better than the one i'm currently working on um because literally that jinx cycle is worth it if that makes sense i mean jinx is a very strong card especially when you can activate her uh are you running stuff like get excited the uh discard one deal three damage to anything or like any other discard targets, or is it just? I'm not no because because of the fact that you have poros like they they just literally they're so low cost that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That like I'll work. run a couple. I think I think like like couple spells. I'm not. I should have I should have saved that deck before I start working on this new one because now now I'm on like this other iteration. Um. But yeah, do you want me to get into the second deck? That I guess that I'm playing with here. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. So the second version of the deck essentially is I've incorporated Yetis. By the way, I've, I've finally gotten to a point where I'm spending uh, some of the essence or whatever. Oh, okay, big step, big um, step. Just, just because I get on one of these ideas, and I'm like, let me put it to completion. You know, I mean, it only took a month. Uh, That's like insane, actually. So that you even like lasted this long. Um, and so, so essentially, the goal is because there's so much shuffle 
with the yetis especially how low cost the yetis are like imagine using that electro on the yeti as well like that's another shuffle target that's true then it's just like low let's say it's a low mana high statted minion um and so another thing i've noticed is just having those general buffs like the the what's the five five that gives one to everything in your deck uh avarosan hearthguard i believe yes yeah, so yeah that card is not it's been working right now because i feel like eventually it'll just outstab people um i'm just always worried with with this kind of deck because like my previous game knowledge is like if there's an otk deck i just get wrecked right mm. this is pre- this is probably where the random teamos on my rank come in i mean but uh like the t- yeah the random teamos yeah I'll tell, I don't know um, if this is I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I'll tell you, Avaros and Hearthguard is I'm pretty sure I've seen it in every deck that has Freljord. I think it's like actually that it, good. It is that good. Yeah. It just is. I mean, unless unless you're running like a lot of a different color, right? Or or I guess a lot of spells for some reason, and you don't want to. I don't know if you don't have that many followers. It's it's objectively yeah no it it it's just that's just. Like, imagine getting that into the Yeti, right? Especially yeah. in this new version of the deck. Like, that's just... It's an 8-8, 3-mana 8-8, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess these are the two kind of concepts I'm tinkering with right now. and I'm winning, so <laughs> it's working out. For the uh, for the Yetis, you're, are you just running the Yeti Yearlings, or, or, or are you running the other Yetis also? When I'm you running everything... Uh, everything except for the... Like the seven mana yetis, I only run one of each of those. Okay. But every other thing that has yeti in the name, I put into that currently, and that's not necessarily because that's what I think strategically. It's just this is the first iteration of the deck. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's also I, it's probably also based off of just the stuff that you have, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I, I I essence all the yeti stuff. So, okay. Or the ones I didn't. The ones, the one, the ones, the cards that I wanted that that I felt would be good, especially with all the shuffle mechanics. Um, so I like, yeah, is it like I, my the one thing I fear in this deck is that at some point, well, elusives. I think definitely the one thing I know is my, uh, probably a friend of mine, and his like he had a bunch of elusives, mm-hmm. and it's it wasn't actually doing that bad because because I tempoed turn five. And that just put a lot of pressure, and I almost won. But I think the one thing is I need some kind of like uh, challenger cards just to take out the elusives, so I'm not threatened, and possibly some life steal because that that's probably where this deck will run into trouble is if someone's slowly taking away at your uh, nexus like life points. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah no, the elusives <laughs> are the deck to beat. I, I I don't blame you. That is, I mean, straight. I don't know what version your friend was playing, but that is straight up, you know, the uh, the S tier deck currently. I guess uh, I've never seen Yetis ever. Uh, these I'm like reading all of these cards honestly for the first time. Uh, never seen Yetis. Like I feel like Yetis should be worked because like all the cards that a lot of cards will create these Yetis, and then just like if you have a turn one, turn three, like object, like that's a really strong turn three. I don't know. Freljord is a little bit underrepresented currently. Um, the only deck that actually has it or the only deck that's like i guess up there that has well for uh, kinko elusives uses freljord for the omen hawk and the elixir of iron both just omen hawk is a really strong card omen hawk is an incredibly strong card yes yeah. uh for the i guess for partially the same reasons that Everos and hearthguard is um but yeah both of those there's only there's only uh six freljord cards in that elusive deck and they're both just to buff the elusive so they're not really there for any uh, for any of their own reasons, the only time that in the, I guess, the top five meta where uh, Freljord really comes into its own is in Ezreal Control, where you have stuff like Ice Veil Archer, when it comes into play, deals a damage, um, and then it has the Elnook package there just to, and like stuff like Harsh Winds, Brittle Steel, so like Frostbite, basically control stuff, the uh, the Frostbite stuff to slow down it, the opponent. Yeah, it's so interesting because I, I, look, I, I look at the Elnook package as a tempo play. Like it doesn't, you it could, doesn't make sense to, to control play as much. I mean, I you can use it for control, but it, I just feel like it's like you're literally just throwing tokens, right? I mean, Ezra, I I think the Ezreal deck is using it a little bit for tempo. I mean, you're kind of sort of trying to like 
keep up with the opponent. It's just it's more of like a like a value thing because the the Ezreal control deck is uh, not generating units in the early game. It's sort of just like either dealing with the threats or slowing down the threats. And then you play something like a troop of Elnux. All of a sudden, your empty board is now full of just a bunch of Elnux. So it I, it deals with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because I feel like the Elnux deck, it's essentially just value and stats. Like that's yeah. what the deck is, that I'm running is. And my previous, you know, card game knowledge, mostly Hearthstone, is that value and stats eventually don't get you so far because you'll get control and otk decks um and then but like currently it's not bad so mm-hmm. <laughs> also i am i am playing in bronze so you know <laughs> fair completely fair I, 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 like i don't know this is another thing that i'm curious about is like whether my experience with a deck would be so vastly different in the upper ranks and would it be because objectively the deck was bad or um uh like i i'd be curious if someone like took my deck list or like i guess optimized a little bit and just played it in like the master's rank like how bad it you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i mean yeah that, that is I, an interesting thing this is this is what i guess this is what happens when you theory craft right so I, yeah on the topic of uh elnix uh, so it has an interesting it's one of the few uh I guess it's one of the very few types of RNG that's actually in the game. And when the Elmlick package was getting popular and when it was appearing in a lot of decks, namely the control decks, it actually started like a discussion about like what kind of RNG should be in the game. Because it is... Yeah, but it's it's not... See, we come from a Hearthstone background where we're like no, 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 used no. to like the I... discover mechanic. It's not discover RNG though. It's literally deck draw RNG. I mean, it is it like, is very good, but do you think this is like this is where because you know like the rest of the game doesn't really have this kind of stuff at all. So do you think this is like the line? Do you think where this is where they should draw it, or do you think they should push it forward? That was basically the discussion that was being had. I think this should be the line. I think line. anything past, yeah, it starts getting like like random minions and stuff. Like it's, those are you know what happen? You know when you do that? You know when you put that RNG in when your game's about to fall apart. That's <laughs> true. Or when you want your grandma to be able to win so then she can also spend money on packs. I mean no one's spending money on packs, right? Um <laughs> well, my 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 grandma is. She's got a she's got a you know cuz she's winning. She's able to win the game cuz she doesn't need game knowledge. I mean she, she should just, spend that money on the lottery, all right? That's just pop off. And I'm sure she's doing that too. She's doing all of it. Uh, but, uh, what was, uh, no, I <laughs> lost my train of thought there on the, on that tangent that we went there. Uh, but yeah, uh, bull- oh, sorry. So yeah, I kind of like it, the, that type of RNG. Cause it's like, it's, it rewards deck building. It's basically, it's not just, I put one card in and hope it like pops off on itself. It's, I put the troop of Elnix in and then I put bull Elnix and then that's six slots in my deck that are sort of working together. And then I guess the RNG is them coming out. The, the, the here's the truth like it's it's 10 cards in a 40 card deck you're drawing a lot of them so already you're pretty much at like you what, by the time turn five turns like goes around you're essentially drawing from 30 cards right yeah um and then so you're drawing from about 30 cards um and you have six possibles so you know do that i guess you have a one in five chance of getting a no, sorry. No, now my brain's frying. Uh, the odds are pretty good. I don't know the exact math. I'm sure there is. I'm sure somebody's done my, that. My already. point is, I feel like you can comfortably say that every time you play it, you should get at least one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel... And yeah. then at one at one of them, it's worth the cost, I guess. But it, it's, feels, it equals... Like, hmm? It feels that much more worse when you don't then at that point. I've played an Elnick and not gotten anything, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it. But it's like it's one of those cards that you don't necessarily lose if it just becomes a three-three. But you That's can true. be rewarded for so much more if you. Uh, it, sorry, you could be rewarded so much. Like I think it's well worth the risk, the reward. Totally yeah, fair. That's the, and then if you have that electro. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, this sort of Parade Electro Rig, that's even more deck building. Yeah, you just sort of you just shuffle that, that, that thing right back in there and try again. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's a, that's a nutty card. I'm sure that'll be part of some sort of like really, really consistent combo deck in the future. 
at some point at some point especially if there's life steal like if you can put life steal on them yeah like just imagine like constantly hordes and hordes and hordes of elnux it's true um actually this made me think of when i was playing the poro version of the deck and it the uh what i started noticing with poros is i just run out of room i don't know i don't know if that's a problem but (laughs) i mean that is actually another resource in this game is like uh, i guess board space when you have six slots uh a lot of the like the aggro decks that i've played especially like a lot of the shadow isle spider versions like that is um uh, that is a thing you have to be conscious of is like maybe i should make an unfavorable attack like trade wise because then it frees up a slot for me to play uh like uh which is so Commander interesting because like, like sometimes then i'll just block and like purposely want my lowest minion to disappear mm-hmm. it, i think it's an and interesting decision yeah it, it is interesting and it, it just it adds more complexity in the game in very subtle ways which is i think my favorite version of complexity <laughs> in card games agree completely agree yeah. how much uh, how much rng do you like in your card games usually i yeah no i don't want hearthstone hearthstone is too much like hearthstone became build your own deck almost sometimes you know what i mean or like and it, it, like i guess i reward players who had a fuller understanding of the game at times and mm-hmm. other times they just be like no like you just got such a value from that rng that like what can you do you know what i mean what i don't remember was did hearthstone have those same problems at, at launch with just the classic set or is that something that just as they started making more keywords um i think so hearthstone at launch i think a lot of things that plagued it were well you say plagued it's still one of the most successful i know a hundred percent yeah yeah so i think i think they did very well but um you know, I'm trying to think because like there was a whole meta where essentially uh, you build a board and then you have this card that just like buff the attack of everything on the board, like for the turn. Yes, um, I seem to remember something similar. Um, and another big thing was kind of when so there's a there's a four three mech that had death rattle, which meant um. Do you know the card I'm talking yes, about? Yes, that's right. It would summon a random three-cost minion when it died. And so what you summoned had... That that card was problematic, not because of what it summoned, but because regardless of what you summoned, it was still overstated. That's true, yeah. Like, even if you got your worst three mana... I think, no, I think it's a random. It's just a random uh, three mana minion. Or mm-hmm. two mana. I don't know. Just a random one. And so, like... It was a, it was a I think in some ways it was fun but it was also so overpowered but I think it's that's when they started introducing a lot of those stuff where it's like because it's this new thing we want to make it overpowered and maybe that was the bigger problem with it right I guess Ragnaros was also set one right Oh like the a yeah but I think the reason I don't have a problem with Ragnaros like you're talking about the eight mana like yeah. hit eight randomly yeah is that in theory especially set one is that you can like outstat it you know what i mean like if yeah, you know I, like you can just I throw a bunch so. of minions sorry not not now stat it. i meant like out just you can statistically maneuver it in your favor does that make sense that's true i hearthstone was unique in that you could you decided to attack uh minions when you wanted to like you could deal with threats directly which I th- which is like something like I uh... well okay I, now now that now that you're having me think about it it's like I think maybe that's also where Hearthstone suffers because like it, it'll it'll be like a forty sixty split between who wins like a matchup let's just say in pro play um, or even it could even be a seventy thirty but that Ragnaros like hitting face once you know what I mean can be the difference that's true and it is it is a both the is very exciting but at the same time it's kind of disheartening so yeah all right well fair enough uh i guess so any anything else with the uh with the two decks that you were you were talking you were playing with anything else that you noticed no cards? I'll, I'll let you know how i feel next week but uh okay. currently i'm on an elnuk kick excellent all right i look forward to hearing more about the elnuk kick next week um so i guess the next thing that we wanted to do and uh like perhaps a reoccurring segment is to uh do a little bit of keyword discussion now this game has a lot of uh 
keywords that are kind of similar to stuff we've already seen. Some of them are new. Uh, some of them are pretty unique. Um, and so let's go over them. And the first one that I wanted to start off with, uh, the one that is, I guess, currently plaguing the metagame, the one that everybody loves to talk about, uh, elusive. It is a Piltover and Zon and Ionian keyword that reads, can only be blocked by an elusive unit. Uh, so the way that usually this is compensated in stats is that these are uh, moderately, very modestly statted cards with moderate mana costs. But uh, the point is they're unblockable. So you play them, you can attack them pretty safe, and you can still block with them. So if push comes to shove, uh, the magic equivalent is flying. And is there a Hearthstone? What's the Hearthstone equivalent for Elusive? Um... So I guess because Hearthstone doesn't work with like a general swing turn. Um, is there like, something that goes through taunts? I don't remember. Uh, no. No? no. Okay. You just disable taunts. Yeah, they, they don't have a card like that. Interesting. I guess they don't, yeah, they don't really have an attack phase or, or like a blockers and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, maybe it wasn't, they never felt. Getting like, rid of taunt is like a big part of Hearthstone in some ways, but but that's be also because taunt is in some ways the only way you block in the game, right? So that's they true. They didn't want a way, the, the only way to like keep yourself alive in some ways to just be like absolute. One thing, yeah, that no, I, it's like, mm-hmm. as a, as a, do you have anything else on what would like? No, 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 I, I've talked, I don't actually don't want to talk about Hearthstone, honestly. <laughs> All right. I, I'm really enjoying this game. And so, like, every time we talk about Hearthstone, like, I think in the earlier episodes, I was very much more. Um, I, Hearthstone was the game I was familiar with. So I'm very, I'm very happy to bounce off of it. Okay. Um, but the more and more I play this game, the more I see that there's, there's vast differences in, in the way the games play and, and design. Wow. Okay. All right. Huge. Truly a change. A change. Like a, a change your heart. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah. Let's let's throw Hearthstone in the trash bag. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um. I'll yeah. Stop. But elusive. Uh, one thing that I found out that elusive is used a lot. Um. The two champions that it's on, uh, being Timo and Ezreal. Uh. It's not really on. It's like perhaps the most interesting version of elusive, or it's not really on there as like a cheaty way to get. Uh, stats through to get damage through but instead mm-hmm. a cheaty way to get the effects of the champion off yeah for, yeah for timo it's to plan five poison five calves and for ezreal it's to uh, create a fleeting mystic shot in hand which is not super relevant to what he does but it is still pretty good and it's probably the only way that he could uh get through with that sort of effect is by having elusive because otherwise he's just like he's the one three and they would have to overstat him which wouldn't really make sense uh for the flavor of the character um, but what what is what has your experience has been with elusive on the ladder? It's, I guess I guess the one thing that I don't like is that it, it forces deck building from the other side to kind of respond to it. Um, so it makes it so like you need to have counter. Let's let's talk about the counters of elusive just for a second. Sure. Right. We can talk about the hard counters, like things that directly counter it is other elusive cards, challenger, and spells. I think that's is that probably yeah, the best just way? Re- I guess removal, yeah, just general removal. I guess you could pl- probably apply that to most keywords as removal deals with it. Uh, but challenger, I think, is the biggest one. Well, I'm saying things that directly counter it because it's like hiding away from you in some ways, right? Like, yeah. you, the only way to remove it is through either magic removal, um. I guess card effects could have like if they deal damage, they they could do it too, and then and then yeah, challenger is a big one. Um, but then you can think of like also passive ways to counter it, right? Um, Life steal, like I said, was one of them where you just keep healing up anyway. I, I don't know how prevalent that is in this game. Like I haven't seen it yet, really. Um, but that might be in future sets something that really changes metas in some ways. Um, <laughs> and then I'll get my glorious forty card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, um but uh so there's that another way to kind of passively deal with it is just even if your deck isn't an aggro deck just like attack like have enough stats at the board so you can <laughs> you can win the race to, to 20 i guess yeah um and force them and it well you kind of it's a pat it's the reason it's a kind of like a passive counter is because you if you can force your opponent to have to use those as blockers you know what i mean yeah um then you're just then all of a sudden you're really in a good position right 
Um, if if you because someone who's elusive, they'll tend to need to be the attacker in most cases, right? That's true. If you if you have mostly elusive cards, so if you can force them to be on that defender side of the the card game, you know, the attacker defender, you usually know where you are. Um, kind of, it's a little less clear with this game, but like. There's a general rule that like you have to know whether you're the defender or the attacker, and then you have to move appropriately. And so, if you can get the loosest to be the defenders, where you're on the front foot and you're ahead in life points and you're ahead on board, then they're they're just in trouble because because those loosest are lower statted, right? Um, they're gonna have a hard time keeping up with you. Agreed. Uh, one one interesting one another interesting counter that I found uh, through play is because a lot of the elusives that are normally played uh, Greenglade Duo Shadow Assassin uh, Kinko Lifeblade uh, a lot of these start off as uh, two attack uh, followers uh, Naive Blade Scout also and because they're two attack they cannot block a fearsome unit so a mm. uh, uh, deck that is fearsome and which is the other deck that is at the top of the meta currently is actually very formidable against these elusives because all of a sudden the fearsome deck can also is has all of a sudden become unblockable as well just through sheer uh like i guess stat power and they, it's not See, even necessarily like higher stats that's crazy to me because that actually is different from what i'm thinking right okay I'm thinking in theory, like, because of the fact that you're putting enough pressure on, the Looses have to start defending, and that's where you truly win, because the Looses are off the board. Like, you f- you force the opponent into blocking you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Fearsome keyword, you're literally just racing, right? Because neither you can block. With the, uh, fearsome, <laughs> with the Fearsome decks, I think the Shadow Isles uh, and whatever other color, normally Demacia, they have a better... Uh, I guess late game than elusives typically. Elusives late game is stuff like the Empyrean, which is a seven mana six five elusive. It's just a vanilla big elusive creature. <laughs> and uh, Windfeather Hatchling, which is a seven mana four two elusive that when it's summoned to give other allies plus two plus two this round. So it's just sort of that kind of stuff. Uh, but then you, you, okay, all those huge things. I know you said vanilla, but like what I really like about this game is that vanilla cards have great weight. And are interesting. That's very true. Yeah, because because I think I think there's a lot of like. I think the one thing you fear with a card game is that, especially with the first de- iteration of the deck, you'll get these vanilla cards, and then it's like, oh, we're doing basic attack and defending things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like having a six-five be elusive, be like something that's kind of your finisher, is. It's like. It's interesting because of the fact that it's like it's not something like super crazy and it's not like there isn't counterplay, right? It's just it's it's enough of a threat that it can finish the game, but not enough of a threat for it to to be overpowered. It like I like that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah, no, I I really agree. I mean, it's a big guy. It feels I've never like felt bad playing an Empyrean. Uh, yeah, I think most of the time you play it, you're like, this is this is probably good. I mean, you're probably, I mean, honestly, if you've gotten up to seven mana, you're probably in like a decent position. Uh, I guess if you've gotten up to seven and it's like not looking good, you'd probably surrender before then because you can probably predict the next couple of turns. I just uh, like to say that uh, if you want to uh, vastly improve uh, Legends of Runeterra, can you add a two zeros to the end of every number in the game? Thank you. <laughs> At a two, wait, at a two zero, what do you, what do you add mean? two zeros at the end of every number? Oh, in the, oh. Game. the Yu-Gi-Oh method, <laughs> the Yu-Gi-Oh method with 3000. If, if you took, if you took that logic and took it backward to Yu-Gi-Oh, it's just like, uh, the blue eyes, white dragon is actually just like a three, two. I mean, I get why they do it because it's like the fantasy of like, I don't want to say like, I don't know, because it compares to something like magic. You're like, oh, I dealt four damage. It was pretty good. It's like, okay, well, I dealt, I dealt 400 damage. Like that's like, and every single anime card game, Vice Wars, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, uh, Force of Will, like they all had the two extra zeros at the end. And it honestly messes with my head. I don't think I've ever gotten used to it. I don't know. Just the way I well, do okay, it okay. in my head is it, it screws to, with it. To- to be fair, it not that it made sense to have cards with fifties, but I think maybe they did it because they're using this method. Um, but like they'd have cards with like sixteen fifty attack. <laughs> Wait, did they have cards? Did Yu Gi Oh have them? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, not that they introduced many of it. 
Actually, no, they would have introduced it even the first season of the of the show. So, yeah, they had it like way way back in in vanilla Yu-Gi-Oh. What if they had like a card that dealt one damage, just to like really? They do have a card that deals. They do. Okay, I'm, I'm sure. I'm well, it's the only card game that will print cards that are actually not. They're actually useless. <laughs> they print cards that are just not viable in any way. Speaking of cards that are not viable, uh, a lot of the elusive cards are actually extremely viable. They're the complete opposite. Um, I think yeah. that was. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so now just transitioning like, back into it. Currently, currently, the kid has written in his notes. Hearthstone, no. Yu-Gi-Oh, we got a detour. <laughs> yeah, Hearthstone, quote, I don't want to talk about Hearthstone anymore. Okay, that's true. It's going to be really awkward when we boot up our Hearthstone podcast uh, next week. Okay, I, I do, listen, listen. If if there's one thing that's oversaturated, it's Hearthstone podcast. That's true. Hearthstone, unfortunately, I don't know. So I don't know how much you follow Twitch metrics, but Legends mm-hmm. of Runeterra actually has like sort of dipped kind of low after its launch. But Hearthstone, despite like the amount of years, it's still just the king of like streaming. I It blows it my is, mind. It is. It's two, two reasons. One, I mean, I think car, any card game has this advantage that you're, um, it's very easy to talk to chat. So I think like yes. a lot of people, like you can interact with your chat. Chat room yes, is, very, is very helpful. Um, but two, um, I think its metrics is the staying power of the personalities as opposed to like, like essentially was it this? Yeah. And what, uh, uh, uh Toast and, and people like that, like they, they keep their like 10,000, whatever, whatever it is, the same audience and the same audience stays with them. And it's, I think it has more to do with their personality as opposed to, and the, the fact that they've built such an audience over the years as opposed to uh, the other way around. Like that the game itself is so... Mm-hmm. What a testament to their personality. That's spectacular. I can't imagine how... I, I, I can barely... Okay, I don't know if their personality is that good, but <laughs> my, my, point is, my point is because they built that following and because people enjoy their streams, is, is, that's why they stuck around. Because like, I think if they play any other card game, it would dip slightly lower. It was here's a tough thing. It's because if they do play a different card game, the the audience still has to be familiar with it. So my guess is that a lot of the people that do watch their streams might be people that are familiar with the game, but not necessarily still playing the game. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think most people are at that level when it comes to something like well, Hearthstone. It, it'd be hard. It oh maybe it's hard. To be fair, like maybe there's actually just ten thousand people that are just diehard Hearthstone fans, and like maybe that's it. No? Sure. <laughs> like, it's just like I I like watching people play Hearthstone. Do Do you think if you got paid as much as these streamers did, would you would you play a card game eight hours a day for like for like every day? Do you think you could do that? So, are you telling me like what I prefer to ver- like? No, I yes. If it, it okay, what if it wasn't variety? What if it was one card game? This regardless of what am I competitive in the card game? Am I at least trying to go to tournaments? You could do whatever you want. It's just it has to be that one card game. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Right. But there, it would there'd be a shelf life to it. Let Let's say you okay. have like a, let's say I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a okay, sign me sign me. What What's the contract? What's the let's contract say terms? Let's say. I give. I want you to do. I want you to play this one game, and you can only play this one game. You can't play any other game on stream. And there's a certain amount of hours per month that you have to hit, where it's basically a full time job for you. I want you to do it okay. for, uh, let's say, one year. Let's start with a one year. Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. One year, I drop everything right now. That's easy. What That's about two, easy... what about two years? All right, let's 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 go up. Two years, yes. Three years. I mean, like if if it's, if it's serious money, though. To be fair, like I, I do think. It's like, like pretty like, good money. I guess I guess it's also stream it's it's I guess if I was I guess in this situation I'm as you the developer paying you an amount and then you get your stream donations. I don't whatever. know if it's a developer, maybe you're just like a team signing me and you're like, yeah. regardless of your viewers, you're gonna make this much money, which would actually probably entice me more. Cause if I already had an established viewer base, then I could do whatever I want, you know. You see, I go the other way. That sounds super scary to be locked into one thing for like 
I don't know for for that amount of time. I feel like I get. No, no, no. Forward I think I could do two years because ultimately I would just make it a competitive drive. So like I'd play tournaments on stream, and it'd be like my goal is to to hit. I don't know to like whatever win win a championship, win a turn. Like you know what I mean? Like that that's the only way I'd be able to do it for that long. Okay, but this is something like I say. I let's equate it to something like Rocket League. Uh, where there's like the skill ceiling is basically like infinite. Like you could always keep getting better at that game. There's never like really like a top, but like, I feel like with like a card game, especially with these kinds of card games, not something like chess or something. There's like a, I feel like as soon as you, uh, have understood every nook and cranny of the game, there's only so much more that you can, I don't know, do, do, do you, do you, do you feel that? Do you yeah. Yeah. I think maybe this is where the eight hours would really be the, the trying part of this. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. honestly, I, I think like if, if you said four hours, like that would be a lot more doable. Um, Cause you just go over your decks. Like it's when you get to like that last part where you're like, I'm so tired of this game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's another thing, another big Testament to streamers. I, although I guess it's something that I'm finding more and more is that people who do stream, they need to i think a lot of streamers that do tend to have success is the game will take over from their personality at some point so like if your skills are really good in a game why are people more likely to tune into your stream is because even when your personality is gone and the gameplay is the only thing that's left they're still interested that's true. I, I think current the current Twitch landscape is you're either really, really, really entertaining or really, really, really good. There's no... But I think it's better to be really, really good because it's more sustainable. I also agree. I, entertaining I, is hard. I, well, you can do entertaining, but I don't think you can do entertaining for eight hours. Yeah. Ten hours, twelve hours, you know? I think you can do entertaining for three hours, like if you're, if you're like, evening streamer, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if you... Like, what? If you have, what? 2000 3000 subs and you just stream like three hours a day like that's that's life that's that's enough i mean the more i think about it all of the top entertainment streamers like xqc and like greed god x like they're they're like pretty crazy and they like always change it up and are always trying to like do they, they need to though like yeah. i think i think the crazier their idea the more it excites them more than anything true and so when they're excited they're like i can do this for 10 hours i can clean my room you know <laughs> did you ever see that xqc stream but what he's cleaning there's, his room i don't think so just his room. There's, too, there's too much content of him man there's too i can't i can't keep up he's the biggest streamer on twitch right now so he is yeah he's crazy um what you know what else is the biggest is elusive the keyword in legends of runeterra it's the biggest keyword around the most popular one another excellent transition Okay, we have to stop pointing out transitions. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. That, I'll give the you these time. two, but no, let's stop pointing them out because uh, <laughs> that's when you know you're a real, real pro is when you don't point out. It's just so good, and then the people who catch it, they catch it. You know. Fair enough. Uh, so, elusive, yeah. How do you want to end elusive discussion? I mean, so one thing. I mean, people, people on. Okay, so the thing with elusives because it's the best thing, and because this just happens with all of the stuff that is the best thing, uh, people complain about it. So. What is, if we were to fix elusives, and elusives were technically fixed, there was a patch that nerfed a lot of the cards that related to elusives or interacted with them, um, how do we do it? One of the suggestions that I've heard, which is kind of interesting, is the elusive keyword only lasts for one attack. What do you think of something like that? Uh, well, that might as well not be an elusive. Like, if, if we're, because I get it because it's creating more design space, right? Like okay. the idea is like let's get rid of elusive so we can actually free up like other people doing other stuff and not have to worry about elusive the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and but going back to my passive counters, I think the reason I brought it up is that if more decks can have passive counters, or maybe honestly, like I don't mind the length of the game because I don't want the game to be too long. I think I'm actually really starting to enjoy the fact that most games do kind of last those eight turns, nine turns. Um, but. Like there might be a point of saying like should we like kind of go to twenty five or thirty health for Nexus, um, just because in some ways that just means like so people that even if you have a deck that's not an elusive deck you can kind of still be in the game you know <laughs> that doesn't directly counter it because there's a little more health so you have a little more wiggle room but maybe not maybe it'll just mean more beat down so so who knows 
I, I think I agree. I mean, I think if we were to take that approach, you'd have to, uh, I guess, buff up the stats of every elusive unit. So then they have a reason to, uh, I guess, stick around after they're not elusive anymore. Um, uh, also, I mean, like the one hit is not always guaranteed for one reason or another. Like if you play an elusive unit uh, with the, I guess the, I guess the intention is, is that you, you want one free hit because that's the whole reason you put it in your deck. And then all of a sudden, if that free hit is negated, I mean, that probably feels kind of bad, and that's probably well. Your your whole point of your deck is gone. You know that's true. Yeah, I I feel like if that were to happen to elusives, though, there wouldn't be really uh, elusive decks per se. It would probably be like a deck that happened to have like a a very efficient card that had elusive or something like that. It would be like a supplementary, I guess, keyword. It wouldn't be really the deck's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that uh. I, I lost my yeah. I, there, I think there was another way to, to balance it, but uh, oh yes, uh, so the ma- in, in magic, the magic equivalent of elusive is flying, and magic has a keyword called reach, where the keyword means that this card can block flying creatures, but it cannot attack like them. Okay, they could definitely add something like that at some point. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with that. You're okay with it, that? I I am okay with. This is the tough thing, though, right? Because if you if you put those if you put cards that have this reach keyword in, then you're essentially once again forcing whoever's building a deck to kind of put those in your deck. So it's it's not like you're actually opening up space for creative deck building. You're just instead of challenger, like essentially challenge. In some ways, challenger is that you know like it's a little more interesting than that. But it's it's like you're still kind of forcing people to play those. I've changed my mind. I I've. I'm okay if they had something like that, but I don't necessarily think it w- it would kind of solve the problem because I think it'd be still it's still kind of trappy in the box of having to play these cards, right? I I totally agree with your conclusion. I think that when discussion because the the immediate thing whenever discussion about this keyword happens is people immediately uh, talk about they always say like oh loses are so broken and then somebody else says well in magic they're totally fine flying is like an evergreen keyword that's happened for so long and then the rebuttal is well they have stuff like reach, but uh, st- I, reach is a very narrow keyword it only uh, interacts with this one keyword if it exists uh reach and magic is not common at all it's usually just tacked on as a sort of like oh it has reach that's kind of cool like it's never like the focal point of the <laughs> card because that, that just doesn't it's i mean it's such a narrow keyword for that but the i guess uh counter to, or the narrow counter to elusive is challenger but challenger is so much more versatile than reach like challenger is like there's there's so many more uses out if you're not playing against an elusive deck challenger has a reason to exist whereas if like a keyword like reach if you have a reach deck or something agreed like that, no yeah. you're a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah, yeah that, that makes so much more sense like challenger can work in any especially because there's so many things happening with challenger outside of it and reach would just literally be a hard counter keyword that does only that um and you'd probably have yeah i i almost feel like this is this is a tough ask, but I was like, tough ask. But uh, the um, <laughs> having like really like, I don't know, one four elusive like, a one- but then they just end up buffing them, so I guess it wouldn't work either. I was like trying to create like get elusive cards that just are like very defensive to like have in your deck to protect yourself from elusive cards. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of an interesting cue. I think that it it is, but but I think it'd just be abused because it would just literally be added to that deck and then. <laughs> yeah, I the See, Oh wait, wait. Okay, this is stu- this is really stupid, but have like zero attack. Have an option where you can either make a card elusive or not elusive, and then if it makes makes it elusive, it's like a zero stack card. But it has like a lot of health, but they can't be buffed. I don't know, something like that. Like literally, like elusive wall. That's an elusive wall would be pretty funny. Like a zero mana the, like, zero five with elusive. With elusive that heals, but the other card is just like a normal four three. So that's where you get to choose, and that's where we can get the discover. Me- no, not this, the choose one mechanic. Choose one mechanic. Well, it already exists, so there's precedent. But yeah, it already exists, so it's not like it's. Anyway, so maybe that's a solution where like a card can either be like this elu- essentially elusive blocker, or it can just be a normal static card that kind of fits into your deck, and then that way there you have versatility. And so standard decks can still have these other. I don't know. 
that's kind of an interesting i mean that i think that like choose one uh i think that's like a good uh that's like a good type of uh, using the medium to the advantage where mm-hmm. uh, or like because it's digital you can like do stuff like that you can pick like a stat you can do the like build a card like for like Kazakus and like Hearthstone or like okay, uh, yeah. similar stuff to be to be fair to that mechanic I, I think I mean I don't know if any card like paper card games do this but they could literally just split their card in half and have like a special version of a card called like a choose one card or something there, there is ma- magic does has done that before yeah that's what i'm saying so yeah i, I but, but still i well it's easier to represent in like a in like a digital game because then the card actually the entire card becomes uh becomes that and you could get creative like like hearthstone do where you could like build a card i don't think that's like as long as everything's like consistent i mean you have, you have a paper card that just like flips open to the other card it's like a i would love that that would be great that'd be terrific that'd be pretty cool. you know, it like slides out you can like sh- i don't know yeah. you shake it you pour water on it; it changes color. It's like <laughs> I'm sure that that has to have existed. That has to. That's have. pretty. That's like a straight out like a '90s kids toy. I yeah. So elusive. <laughs> what what is there? What is there to say? Um, we we said a lot. Honestly, there's there's a lot of things that we just hinted at, and I think, I think, um, like there's so much more. Like we could honestly talk about po- like theories of how best to balance elusives forever. I feel 100. percent uh, I guess just closing thoughts. Um, elusives mostly represented in Piltover and Zon and Ionian. Ionian is the primary keyword. Piltover and Zon, it's sort of just there as a um, uh, a way to get effects through, and just because I, I guess because they're because they're like uh, they're like mechanics and like tinkerers. They're normally kind of fragile, so this is their way to sort of get through stuff. So I think that's probably the flavor reason. Uh, there is actually one Demacian card that has elusive, which is Silverwing Scout. It's a four mana, two, three with elusive and tough. Uh, I, I think it has elusive just because it has a bird in the artwork. So they want it to like, it, it, it is, it is truly functional flying in that case. Well, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it like with tough, wouldn't that be a pretty good, like passive defense against like, it could be a card to literally help you out. Just like throw it in there to, to kind of protect you from elusives and give you a little bit of extra attack. That's actually, you might be potentially right. That may be why it exists. Maybe the developers felt that Demacia had a little bit of a gap when it comes came to elusive answers. So they, they put that in. I, yeah, hey, that's actually that. I mean, you maybe you have something. And with there. that tough, especially because of the low stat elusive minions, right? Like, they yeah, should sure. give you some, at least two. Like, you should be able to take on two of the smaller elusive cards. Um, the only other things, I mean, mostly elusives on followers. There's two cards, uh, two spells that interact with elusive. There's the Ionian Ghost, a burst spell that gives an ally an elusive, uh, gives an ally elusive for this round. Uh, this card is actually kind of scary. You never really see it, but when you do, it's uh, making the ten ten <laughs> on the board just zoom through, and I, you know, you can't really answer it. It's a burst spell; it already happens. Uh, and then the other one is the Piltover and Zon version, a two mana spell with a burst that grants an ally elusive. So that, that is a permanent version, but that one for uh, one mana more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other than that, yeah, that's elusive. Uh, not going anywhere, probably. Probably see it for some time. I think after the patch that happened three weeks ago, uh, the deck is in a little bit of a better spot. Um, it's not as strong, but I think because it's still tier one, I think because a lot of people are discussing it, it might see another passive balances, but I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. It's a beta. We'll have to all. wait and see. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts on Elusive Flash? Um, no, no, that's good to me. Sounds yeah. good to me. Uh, well, I think that about wraps it up then. I think uh, unless you have any other any any other card game stories, like, you've been like you've no, been no. For yourself, you've played only Legends of Runeterra, right? Yeah, the only card game I'm playing currently is Legends of Runeterra, so that's a good sign. Especially Very that we're exciting. doing a Legends of Runeterra podcast. Very um, good. Yeah, I have something to say during wrap up, but that's it. Okay, awesome. Uh, I also, for the record, have only been playing Legends of Runeterra. I am entirely uh, committed and pledging my life to Riot Games. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, as usual, thanks for listening. If you want to help the show out, tell a friend, leave a review on iTunes. It helps out. Uh, any thought, Flash, any final thoughts, wisdoms? I know. I just want to say, uh, so this is, um, so in our Rocket League podcast, essentially there was a tier of our Patreon where, 
uh, for some reason people want to give us more money wow. um and so I, I was like i you guys are crazy but i created this roll call t- uh, tier which coincidentally who knew that roll call is actually spelled r-o-l-l even though like like you use the roll because it's like because isn't it a classroom I think you, thing no, no, no. Like, I think you'd use roll like R-O-L-E because it's used for like drama, right? I thought roll like call roll was call. something, you know, you know, when like uh, they, they do it. I thought they do it in like schools. They do like roll call. No, and then they attendance. Yeah, but I, that's the Canadian version. I think the American version is roll call. Okay, regardless. But like, but it's anyway, because I thought of theater. So I thought it was R-O-L-E. But apparently the internet tells me it's roll like R-O-L-L. All right. Learn, um, learn something new. But yeah, so uh, so these two two lovely individuals who decided to give us more, I'm gonna shout them out at the end of the every every episode of all our shows on the network. So uh, Paint and Miffe, thank you so much for the extra support. Uh, I think Miffe actually listens to the show, so this will be good Ooh. if he gets to this point. Thank you very um, much, Miffe, for listening to the show. Yeah, so that'll be good. Awesome. All right. Well, I think with that, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.